Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The uh, topic of my uh, blog and my uh, commentary earlier this morning uh, had to do with uh, former Governor General Adrian Clarkson with the revelation, of course, last week about uh, some rather uh, extravagant expenses uh, that she has actually remitted from the, uh, the federal government. She's been out of office for some time now. And there was justifiable outrage when we learned about the extravagant expense account submissions by the former GG. Uh, she, of course, uh, tried to justify that with an op-ed piece that was published in the Globe and Mail last week in which she defended her actions, essentially saying that we shouldn't really be condemning her because she's really just doing what everybody else does. Not quite sure how that makes it right. Uh, but if that defense sounds familiar, well, it's because it's, it's been used before. That's essentially what Mike Duffy said during the Senate expense trial. And if you recall, it worked because the charges against him were tossed out. But we got a problem here, clearly. And uh, nobody seems to want to talk about this in Ottawa, at least nobody who can do anything about it. So maybe we should get the discussion going here. To that end, we're uh, pleased to welcome to the program Duff Conagher, co-founder of Democracy Watch and, uh, of course, adjunct professor at uh, University of Ottawa. Duff, thank you so much for the time. It's good to have you with us again. My pleasure, Bill. This shouldn't really surprise us when we heard these numbers, should it? No. Uh, essentially, um, it's a totally unaccountable system now in terms of details of the spending. And uh, like every, like all spending um, of uh, anyone in government or connected to the government, uh, even when they leave, it should be uh, fully disclosed and audited by the Auditor General regularly. That's I, the I, stop abuse. Yeah, I, I would imagine most Canadians, if you were to stop somebody, uh, you know, right now, and, and five people downtown Hamilton or downtown Ottawa and said, did you know that the Governor General continues to be paid after they leave office? I'd, I'd say most Canadians probably are not even aware of this. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, again, because there's little disclosure of, of the details of this going on until now. And, uh, of course, it raises questions about... Uh, what this position is and and what it means after you leave and whether there should be um, anything provided other than a usual kind of pension that would be provided for uh, any federal government job. Yeah, they call it a stipend. I don't know what kind of uh, wordsmithing they use here, but I think she gets about 200 grand a year, doesn't she? Um, essentially, uh, what happens is they, they get uh, expenses covered for an office and an assistant and... Uh, the question is, um, and she wrote an op-ed piece in the Globe and Mail you might have seen on the weekend, yeah, yeah. and she said, she listed and said uh, she's done a, a whole bunch of events um, and said that uh, for some of them, she, uh, she's listed a number, that she did not uh, get paid any speaker's fee. But it wasn't clear from the way she worded it whether she wasn't paid a speaker's fee for any of them. And if she was paid as well as having these expenses covered, then essentially she would be double dipping. So it was very unclear. It was very carefully worded um, to make it seem like she speaks for free always. But that's not exactly what it said. It actually said she only spoke for free at those particular events. As, as I was reading that, I was going to ask you the same thing, Duff. Did you get a sense of deja vu that didn't we hear this argument a few years ago? Yes. And uh, with regard to Mike Duffy, you're yeah, about yeah. Yeah, and in that case, it was actually while well, he was still sitting as a senator. Uh, and lots of people don't know this. The rules haven't changed for senators. They're still allowed to claim parliamentary business and, uh, and Senate business as an expense. And that is not well-defined at all. Uh, and it was amazing that Mike Duffy got away with the one charge that he claimed where it was for his, uh, his physio, uh, physical trainer. 
who was supposedly also advising him, even though he produced no written reports at all, and the advice was supposedly coming while um, Senator Duffy was working out. So I was quite amazed that the judge let him off on that one, because presumably if he was an advisor, you'd have some evidence that he'd actually ever given advice. Um, and it was not a huge sum of money. It was $8,000 over a year, but still, you know, if, if someone well, there's can claim $8,000 and get away with it, then that encourages them to claim $80,000. Yeah, exactly. Well, there's another shoe to drop in, in the Duffy situation. I've had some correspondence back and forth with Mike over the last little while, and uh, this still consideration, I think, for a lawsuit there, and I, I'm not sure where that's going to go. Oh, but no, it, it's, well, they've already filed it, Yeah, and, and the Senate is defending it. Uh, I'm surprised the Senate hasn't settled. Um, because I think uh, Duffy's going to win. The Senate violated his rights. They yep. held a secret behind-closed-doors hearing without notice to him, didn't give him a chance to present his evidence, and found him guilty. You can't do that. Not even the Senate's allowed to do that, even though it runs its own affairs co- uh, under the Constitution. And uh, I'm surprised the Senate's taking the chance of losing that case, although I, I hope they do go ahead and lose it, because then we'll finally get some uh, fair and proper enforcement of rules in the Senate. Well, for, but the, I guess the r- broader question at this point, Duff, is what are the rules? Are there any? Because they keep see that they, they keep talking about this as if we're policing ourselves and we'll look after this. But with this case, with the, the former governor general and even the Senate case, essentially says that look at, and I think the judge said that in the case, uh, he didn't break any rules because I don't see any rules here. There are guidelines, but they're not rules. That's right, and they're self-enforced. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, essentially the judge concluded, well, the Senate could find him guilty, and he wasn't actually challenging the the Senate's process in that case because he was charged, it was a criminal case. Um, The judge said, well, the Senate can find Senator Duffy guilty of breaking the rules, vague as they are, but that doesn't mean he's guilty of committing a crime. And, yeah, that's, you know, politicians write the rules for themselves, and... Uh, they write weak rules and set up weak enforcement systems, uh, enforcement systems that essentially work both in the House and the Senate in favor of the ruling party because they hold a majority on, on the committee and that makes decisions as to some, whether someone's violated the rules. So it becomes an arbitrary system, a, a kangaroo court by definition, that makes decisions based on politics, not based on the evidence and the rules. And if they don't like you, they'll find you guilty. And if they like you, they'll let uh, they'll cover up your wrongdoing. That's the whole history that's gone on, and, and both maybe in the House and the Senate. And with the Governor General, the spotlight hasn't been shone on it until now, and and hopefully now it will be cleaned up. And and we direct our anger, of course, at, at well people like Mike Duffy or Pamela Wallen, and, and now Adrian Clarkson. Uh, and I, I can I can understand why people are going to have that kind of a reaction. But isn't the real problem here the quote unquote system? Uh, yeah. The people that make those rules or try to enforce them and, and basically turn their back when they see somebody who's flaunting them? Yeah, it's, it's been Democracy Watch's slogan for now uh, more than 20 years. The system is the scandal. It encourages and allows dishonest, unethical, secretive, unrepresentative, and wasteful behavior. And they're all to blame. You know, MPs have circled the wagons, too, oh, on, sure. on letting the Auditor General in and uh, letting the Auditor General uh, uh, actually audit MPs' expenses, uh, the NDP has recently broken with that uh, consensus and said, we're fine with the Auditor General coming in. Uh, but up until recently, they were all saying, no, no, we run our own affairs and we have this committee. Uh, and uh, the Board of Internal Economy, it's called for the House, has a similar name in the Senate. And we run our own affairs. Uh, that's not the way to run things. It's, politicians can't be judging each other. 
by definition, they'll make decisions based on the politics of a situation as opposed to the evidence of whether the rules have been broken or not. Well, and when they do release information, and which is not that often, it's in a very vague uh, manner. I mean, you know, even when they come, for instance, to MPs' expenses, you know, they, they give you large numbers and say, well, here's how much we're allowed to spend and here's how much we did spend, but they don't really be, uh, be, you know, drill down and say, okay, well, how much did that guy or, or that lady spend? And you don't get those numbers. They say, oh, no, no, we'll look after that. We'll look after that. And, and our, I guess our job is, as taxpayers is just trust them. That's their message, yes. And uh, unfortunately... We haven't had a party in power that's willing to change those rules. And the NDP said they'll let the Auditor General in if they ever won an election or, or if there's a minority government next time. Hopefully they'll push on that and make it part of their deal for supporting whichever party wins uh, the most seats. And and uh, we'll see. But it's it's slow going because they write the rules for themselves. And, and, uh, and we just have to keep chipping away. So the Governor General is in a much more vulnerable position. There's no real incentive for any politician to be, fen- to be defending uh, the current spending system. So hopefully it will change. And, you know, the Governor General, some have said, well, the Governor General remains the Governor General forever. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to be true. Um, they've finished their position as Governor General, and, and uh, they may, because of the profile they had as Governor General, get a bunch of invitations. Well, there's no reason why the system can't be that they can tell all those people, yeah, I'll come. Uh, for free or to be paid, it's you know I'll choose which ones I want to ask a fee from and which ones I want to do for free, but otherwise not receive uh, ongoing public support. Well, and that's the thing that I was scratching my head about when I read her op-ed piece in the Globe and Mail over the weekend. Was she says I've done a number of functions, and you're right, she listed a number of them there uh, that I attended. And well, is she representing the Canadian government or is she representing the Queen when she does that? Because uh, memory serves me, uh, Duff. We're paying somebody else to do that now, aren't we? Yeah, I don't see anything in the Constitution, and I'm teaching a political science course at the University of Ottawa this year uh, on the Constitution of Canada, uh, and uh, I don't see anything in the Constitution that says the Governor General remains the Governor General forever. I mean, they, they uh, may keep the title honorary, uh, like former Prime Ministers do. Sure. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean they retain the position and the perks of the position. And again, I don't see any problem with just having them decide. She said she got uh, hundreds of invitations. Okay, well, with the ones that can afford to pay you to come and speak, ask them to pay you. And the, the ones that can't, do it for free. Uh, there's no particular reason why the public has to provide uh, an assistant in an office to, to the Governor General forever. Well, and, and that's that's the thing I'm looking at, too. I mean, you know, she goes and does these these functions or these appearances. I mean, Julie Payette is the governor general. She's the re- Queen's representative here, not Adrian Clarkson anymore. Yes. So, I mean, that's double dipping. We're paying two people to do the same thing? That seems ridiculous. And staffing it at the same time. It reminds me of, uh, was it Francis Fox, was it, the, the former cabinet minister when he was appearing before the committee some years ago? I'm entitled to my entitlements. Uh, David Dingwall. David Dingwall, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. And that's still the mindset of an Ottawa, apparently. Very much so. Very much so. They, uh, on, on every issue of honesty, ethics, transparency, being representative, uh, and uh, waste prevention, the politicians generally are circling the wagons and protecting themselves uh, across the board. The, you know, they'll beat up on each other, 
They'll play gotcha politics with scandals. Oh, and every now and then they throw one of them under the bus, and you know, and that seems. I guess it pacifies us for a while. Yes, uh, but in terms of changing the system so that you can't uh, be dishonest, unethical, secretive, unrepresentative, or wasteful, and if you are, you'll be caught and penalized to the same extent that other Canadians in their jobs are penalized when they they act in any of those ways. No, none of the rules are there, none of the enforcement systems are there, none of the penalties are there, and no party is taking this seriously um, still. Um, Despite the fact that if one party would take this seriously, I'm sure they would win more votes in the next election because these are hot-button issues with all voters across the spectrum. And, you know, every party that has promised to clean things up, including the Liberals in 2015, has won more seats or won the election since 1993 when Chrétien was the first one to lay out a platform for governing with integrity. You know, in fact, Chrétien, in that that famous red book uh, that Paul Martin and uh, put together, and yeah. the Liberals, they said uh, the government cannot do good in society unless it has integrity. And here we are now, 25 years later, Democracy Watch has been working since 93, this is our 25th year, and apparently government can't can't do any good in society because government still does not have integrity. So what do we have to do as citizens, or what can we do? I mean, for us to just sit and Send hope Send those that, letters. They, yeah. If, they, if an MP uh, has only won um, by a couple of thousand votes and they receive 3,000 letters, they're very nervous. They don't know, especially if your letter always has to say at the end of it, I'm determining my vote in the next election by how you act on this. And that throws them off, and that's the best we can do. The more letters they receive, the more nervous they get. The Liberals should be walking on eggshells. They had a miracle majority last time. They won the highest percentage of seats since Confederation with the lowest percentage of votes. And so they're so close to minority government next time around, uh, they should be walking on eggshells. And instead they're pretending like they won a sweeping majority and there's no way they can lose the next election. This is issue is a hot-button issue, and if uh, the, the Conservatives have a bit of difficulty, uh, although they have a new leader coming out and saying, we'll, we'll clean things up because Harper promised it and didn't do it, if the NDP promises it as a major plank in their platform, they will take away votes from the, the Liberals because, as I said, every party that has made this a serious part of their platform since 1993, across the ca- country, not just at the federal level, in all the provinces as well, has either won more seats or won the election. So it, people want things cleaned up. Swing voters are the ones that determine elections. And swing voters want things cleaned up more than anybody because they realize that government actually can't do good until it's required to be good. And, uh, and so they want these changes, and they will swing to a party who, who promises them. Uh, unfortunately, because of Chrétien's broken promises and Paul Martin's and Harper's and several at the provincial level, an ironclad promise to clean things up won't do it. You need a titanium-clad promise now because people won't believe an ironclad promise. They've seen those kind of promises broken too many times. Well, and yeah, because of the skepticism, and as you mentioned, the yeah. track record, I mean, the, uh, the back end of what you're suggesting here is accountability, is to hold them to, you know, accountable if they don't do it. Yes, I mean, that's, we're, why, we're, that's why I think any politician promising this that wants to be taken seriously has to promise an honesty in politics law has to promise to resign if they won't if they don't keep their promises and including being subjected to an independent audit as to whether they have kept their promises if any of the politicians did that and they should because that would get 20 million voters attention at the federal level or in any provincial election that would wake up the the voters and say wow someone who's actually different promising to penalize themselves with an independent audit determining whether they've kept their promises 
that would change politics forever in Canada. And with that party would definitely win more of the vote because people would swing to them, finally uh, someone who's taking seriously cleaning things up. And the fact that none of them do it, that when they all want to win, but they're still not willing to promise the things that would actually shift 20 million voters in their direction, it just shows you how the system really is corrupt, how, how the power they have corrupts them enough to all circle the wagons to keep the current system in place in which they can get away with dishonest, unethical, secretive, unrepresentative, and wasteful behavior. Well, and, and again, you know, the problem is, is they make these promises and then, you know, they get reelected and they go behind closed doors. Well, electoral reform, I mean, this yep, this election was supposed to be fought on something other than first past the post, but here we are again. That was a promise that was made, and I really got the impression, forgive my skepticism, Duff, that when that committee was finally stuck and they went behind closed doors, they just said, okay, let's not get stupid here, okay? You know, this is what got us here. Let's just keep this the way it is. And they're doing the same thing when it comes to, to financial reforms. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the committee, though. The committee actually did recommend a compromise. The conservatives didn't want to change the system, so they yeah. said, okay, change the system only after a referendum. It was Prime Minister Trudeau that broke his promise, and Democracy Watch filed a complaint with the Commissioner of Canada Elections. There is a rule in the Elections Act that says... You can't, it's a rather obscure wording, with any pretense or contrivance, you cannot uh, try to induce a voter to vote for you. And unfortunately, the Commissioner of Canada Elections said, well, that doesn't mean a false promise. But if you look up the word pretense or contrivance in the dictionary, they both say false claim. Well, Trudeau made a false claim. Unfortunately, you can't challenge that decision by the Commissioner in in court because the Commissioner has discretion whether to prosecute or not. Uh, we're still pursuing it, though, because Democracy Watch can do a private prosecution on that, only with the permission of another person, the Director of Public Prosecutions, who the Liberals just appointed the person. So we're not expecting to get through to be able to do that private prosecution. But the law is there. It needs to be clarified. And Bill C-76 just went through the House, and none of the parties proposed making that rule clear, more clear and stronger so that they can be held accountable for false statements and false promises during elections. So, again, that just shows you how they circle the wagons on these things. You know, the NDP very much criticized the Liberals uh, and Trudeau for breaking the electoral reform promise, but uh, they didn't do anything with Bill C-76 to try and strengthen that rule. Well, uh, thank heavens uh, you guys at Democracy Watch are holding their feet to the fire and shining the light on some of this stuff, and hopefully it will be part of the uh, the dialogue as we go forward towards next year's election. Duff, as always, thanks so much for the time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for your interest. Take care. Duff Conagher, of course, co-founder of Democracy Watch. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.